Greetings, Quester. The Meddlesome Meeples present Tome Talk with Matt and Richard. Well, welcome to this week's Tome Talk, in which Matt is going to be talking about this novel, or novella, by John W. Campbell, which is Who Goes There? And why might people already be familiar with this story? It's because it's the novel that inspired The Thing. Yeah, and you can kind of tell from the front. It's like very icy with yep. somebody behind it. So Quite can... reminiscent of the classic um, picture of the... Wasn't it the guy in the parker? That's right, <laughs> with the lights Light clearing out. out. Yeah, but definitely you can tell it's set somewhere cold. Yeah. And it's actually inspired three different films so far because mm-hmm. there was the uh, the thing from another world back in 1951 right. um, that went with kind of more of an imposter kind of feel than an alien presence mm-hmm. then there's obviously the probably the most famous adaptation which was john carpenter's the thing yeah back yeah, in 1982 kurt russell kurt russell there playing mccready mm-hmm. who is a character again in the in the original novella they did they didn't really import many of the characters and give them their proper names in the thing from another world but in John Carpenter's The Thing many of those characters are there with the same names the same roles what the one from this yeah from right. from who goes there straight into the John Carpenter's The Thing mm-hmm. there are a couple of characters where there's uh, different name changes so for example Benning in this is Bennings so mm-hmm. it's only very minor but then you've got characters oh, like Kinner in this who mm-hmm. becomes Knowles in the right. in the film. So there are some different changes. you can changes, tell who they're, they're meant to be. You can because they're in the same profession and they do the same sort of things. So you said that was from 1951? No, the, no, the film first one. film was from 1951. The original book, well the copyright in the book says it's from 1934. Wow. Um, I looked it up a According to other um, websites, this was originally released in 1938. So I don't know if it was. I always thought it was around about 1934 time. So maybe I don't know if those websites are then. wrong, or yeah. maybe it appeared in a in a publication and then was later released in a book form. But if it's a novella, then it could have been in a few collections. I know it? it has definitely been in some over the years, but whether or not it was when it was originally released, I'm not sure. But basically, this, as I say, has inspired those two films. Plus, there was the 2011 film, The Thing, which was a prequel to the John Carpenter film. Because that's also just called The Thing, isn't yeah. it? It gets confusing. But, yeah, you say it's a prequel. It's like the previous outpost that yes. got destroyed by it. Uh, if you've not seen John Carpenter's The Thing, it starts off with this uh, dog running towards the base, and the dog had come from the Norwegian base, hadn't it? Mm. And in the 2011 film, that's where they go into it with the uh, the Norwegian team discovering the thing right, yeah. what happens at their base before it makes its way over to um, to McMurdo not McMurdo to the Antarctic Research yeah. Outpost that they're using so this is everything by the, with the Americans when it was a dog that ran into the other yeah. yeah. <laughs> so they, but it, those two films I mean they're not for children <laughs> they're definitely not for children but I saw them when I was quite young and I absolutely loved them I watched them well I, I saw about, the John Carpenter I was about I was 29 when I watched it <laughs> and it was pretty scary <laughs> so yeah it's not for children <laughs> So now, I don't want to say too much about the story because of risk of spoilers, so I'll just give you the basic introduction to it. Now, it starts mm-hmm. off where they've found the thing, they've taken the thing back to the base, and it starts off with a, quite an interesting debate there, because it's McCready and Blair and mm-hmm. Dr. Copper and uh, one of the other characters, Barclay, I think it was, and they're ha- basically having an argument. 
mm-hmm. and the whole of the base has been brought to them. Now, in the film of the thing, there was only twelve, but in in the book, there were, there was thirty seven people stationed at the base. Right, that so, would have made a very different film, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Commander yeah. Gary's there is as well, and he's involved in all of this discussion. But basically, they found this thing in the ice, mm-hmm. and some of the team want to just kill it. Others of the team want to try and thaw it and study it, thinking that once it thaws, it's going to be dead, because the premise is that lower life can be frozen, and um, if it's quick frozen, can come back to life, basically, because right. the uh, cells in the lower life forms, as they are unfrozen, will basically regenerate and will be able to connect to each other. Less- and yeah, less superstructure that yeah. would get damaged. Like Where more complex life yeah. forms, that's not going to happen because they they won't be able to get that cooperation going again. Right, okay. Um, so on that premise, they think, well, this is definitely not a lower life form. It's not going to come back to life if we thaw it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it should be safe to thaw out and try and study it because this is a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, obviously, to find and study and presumably alien species. Yes. And they do think very early on that it is alien. Okay. Several reasons for that. One in the and I'm, this isn't really a spoiler because they tell you in the first few pages. They find its ship. Oh right. About ten feet away from where they find the alien. Did that happen in any of the films? No. Um, they do find the ship, but in trying to gain access to the ship, they accidentally blow up the ship. Right. So then all evidence is gone. <laughs> yeah. So all they've got left is uh, is the actual creature itself. But they still know it's alien. Then. And this. Yes, but they, they, from that they deduce that it's an alien creature and not something native to Earth. But also, it's so alien in appearance. Mm. Um, and it's quite an interesting debate here, because some of the team think that it's inherently evil. Right, okay. Because of its, you know, malevolent appearance. <laughs> yeah. And <laughs> others of the team say, the well, 30s. you can't judge the appearance because I mean uh, Blair tries to make the argument you know for all we know that could be just a, a, a look of peaceful resignation on his mm. face accepting his fate in his world we can't judge yeah. his world and their characteristics by by us and he, he tries to use the example that in some oriental cultures they would use white as a as a colour for wearing during mourning as opposed to black mm. which is what we do in the west yeah and, and they, they used to use blue for girls and and stuff like that. That's know. right, yeah. Um, so he tries to... And it's quite an interesting little debate there about the fact that you just can't necessarily judge this alien creature by our own standards. It seems obvious to us, doesn't it, in this yeah. day and age. But, yeah, um, if you think of, like, Lovecraft books, stuff like mm. that, the whole idea that these monsters are hideous and they're going mm. to drive you insane by <laughs> looking at them. And, and that kind of thing was a little bit more in the, in the collective consciousness, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, obviously that is undermined by the fact that when they thaw it out the creature starts killing everybody but but, yeah, but still, it's still an interesting yeah, debate you, you couldn't, couldn't assume that. that no no it was it was either going to be aggressive or not turns out it was aggressive yeah yeah i i def- defend to the death it's right to kill everybody <laughs> <laughs> and not to be prejudged yeah <laughs> so it's actually i mean it's not a very long story it's about 76 pages 75 pages something like that it's yeah, definitely it's a novella, novella. Yeah. i mean the, the collection i've got here there's 244 pages but that includes an interesting introduction from the original author it was originally published i think it was in the new york times back in the late 40s yeah new york uh, 2nd of february 1948 from the original author that's quite interesting when he talks about writing style and methods and ways of 
crafting plots and characters and things like yeah. that, and the different kinds of plots that you can do. You know, the gadget stories, the character stories. And... So, does it read like a, a 30s story then? Like the the type of language used. And everything? At times, mm. but one of the things that's really interesting in this is the way the author incorporates the science into the story. Oh, good. And this is one of the things I, I think that you'd quite like about it is that mm. he is he very much goes into the science of matters of why things happen. Yeah. Obviously, our knowledge of science has improved by then. So, for example, um, things like the atom, when it's mentioned, isn't necessarily what we would think of today. No. Um, in in the sense of we know much more about it. It's not what what he's saying is wrong. It's just that what he's saying mm. we now know more about. Yeah. But it's still quite interesting to have the science of the story presented as well but it doesn't present itself in a way that makes it boring or studious it's very well yeah. explained i kind of like it when there's a um like a character in an old story will be saying something like oh we don't know well, this remains a mystery to science and you can read it thinking i know <laughs> <laughs> i'm more intelligent than anyone in this book <laughs> yeah they're all idiots except me <laughs> so obviously you know you've got this this issue here that they some of the characters as they transported it to the base because it, it starts off with the thing in the base but then right, they're telling okay. the story of how they found it how they transported it to the base some of the events that happened along the way oh, things right. with the ship and that's all before you get into like the action part of it and mm. uh, things going wrong on the base and the, the creature as it awakens and the terrifying nightmare scenarios that then befall them and some of the occurrences that happen in the novella mm. are taken straight into the the thing, the John right. Carpenter's thing, the film. Yeah, okay. um, it's been well documented that John Carpenter's The Thing is the more faithful of the adaptations because it very closely mirrors. It's not so much that they've taken things away, it's more that they've added bits to it with regards well, to, to the chase scenes the and the novella. action. And, yeah. mm. um, but the key elements in the story are there as well. The ending is slightly different. Well, not slightly different. The ending is different between the book and the film well then there's a reason to read it there is there is a very good reason to read it and it is a good ending in the in the book mm. just like the ending in the film the ending of the film is one of my favourite endings yeah because it's deliberately left open to interpretation and, and discussion well you know something's going to happen next yeah <laughs> you can just decide what you what you think it is yeah um, and I would say that this is definitely a highly recommended read for me I personally will go back and read this again down the line. As I say, The Thing is John Carpenter's The Thing is probably my favourite film. Mm. Um, it's a film that I've loved ever since I've first seen it and I've seen it repeatedly. And this is making me want to watch it again. It really is. Yeah. I mean, I w read this and thought, if I, re if, I f if I finish this in time, I could sit up late and watch The Thing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I've planned to hopefully watch that this weekend. But it is an absolutely fantastic story. Um, one of the things that is different in this book and you, again, you'll, you you will find out as you read through, is that the creature, unlike in the the thing, the film, is telepathic. Right. Okay. Because obviously it mimics. So, alright. See, so it in has tele telepathy as well. In John Carpenter's The Thing, it's assumed that when it absorbs a creature, that it takes on its memory, its personality. Mm -hmm. In this, it also does that through telepathy. So. They're trying to figure out a way to stop the thing, and they're having to very deliberately not think about it, or oh, no. just to make it harder for for the thing to know what's going on. So, with it being called "Who Goes There," obviously, I think the one in this it sounds like it'd be much better at mimicking and stuff because 
because it can like learn things. It can learn different things, yeah. In um, it, it's, what's quite interesting is it goes into how the cells work on the thing, mm-hmm. probably more so than it does in the film. Right, yeah. So again, this is a fantastic read, especially if to accompany the actual film itself. Yeah, um, and it's been in a valet, it won't take too long. So no, it's well worth. Doing well, I basically yeah. read it, sat down and read it in one evening. Mm. You know. So okay. this is my recommendation for this tome talk. Who Goes There, the novella that inspired The Thing by John W. Campbell. It is also currently a Kickstarter campaign for a board game of Who Goes There, which looks absolutely fantastic. So Matthew thought that was good. What are your thoughts? Let us know. Farewell, Questa. To find out about other productions by the Meddlesome Meeples, then check out our channel or rendezvous with us at meddlesomemeeples.com. Until next time, Questa, farewell and keep thine axe sharp.